I hope everyone has enjoyed this beautiful day and that you've been encouraged and you've been uplifted by the worship service uh, this far this morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, we concluded uh, an excellent study in the book of Galatians, and we have now transitioned into a new set of studies that deal primarily with what I refer to as the fundamental pillars of Christian living. And this morning, I want us to look consider one of those pillars or this idea of belief. You know, you and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, I think that we can all agree that one of the fundamental principles of our faith is that we truly believe or that we truly trust that what we believe is accurate and true, right? You know, we read John chapter 20 a while ago. In John chapter 20, Jesus had been crucified. He had been dead for days. And the disciples were gathered together and they were in a state of confusion they were at a fork in the road. Some of them were considering, do we go back? Do we consider our old occupations? Do we go and we continue to evangelize? They were truly, truly confused of what they were going to do. But all of a sudden, you go to John chapter 20, and you see that Jesus appears before them, and he says, peace be unto you. And then he goes on to comfort them and to reassure them and to show them without a doubt, 100%, that he rose from the grave. And you could imagine what that meant to them. It recharged them. It revitalized them. It gave them confidence. It gave them a zeal and a desire to get out and to evangelize the world. But of all those people who were there, one of the, one of the disciples was not there. We know him to be Thomas. And so you can imagine when Thomas comes back to the disciples and they tell him, we've seen Jesus, his response. And we remember his response in John chapter 20. In verse 25 or 29, he says, Unless I see his hands, the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What in essence did he just say? He said, I'll believe it when I see it. Eight days later, Jesus reappeared, and he came to Thomas. And you remember what he told Thomas? He says, Thomas, don't doubt, don't be unbelieving. But here, put your hand on my side. Look at the wounds in my hands. Remember what he did? So he fell to his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. Then what did Jesus tell him then? Jesus said, excuse me, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet and will believe. That's you and I. That's you and I here today. We have a special blessing because we've never seen Jesus Christ in the flesh, but yet you and I believe Him to be true. You and I believe the Old Testament. We read the Old Testament and we read about God having conversations with men like you and I have conversations with men today. You and I open the New Testament, we read about a God who parted an ocean and allowed an entire nation to transverse across it and then swallowed up an Egyptian army that was pursuing them. 
you and I believe that there was a man named Jonah and that he was swallowed by a great fish and that fish went into the depths of the ocean and he lived in that fish for days. And you and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He sat at the right hand of God before the existence of this universe. And that He had a hand in orchestrating the construction of the universe and the earth and of your very existence. And that He came to this earth, that He was born of a virgin, that He lived 33 years on this life. And that He performed miracles that defied the very laws of physics themselves. And then He was voluntarily murdered for His people that He was hung on a cross, and that on the third day He was resurrected, and that He now sits back at the right hand of God. And at some point in the future, He's going to part from the heavens and come back to receive His own. You and I believe that. Why do we believe that? Have you ever seen any of that in your life? You know, I remember Sean McCorkle being here, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I specifically remember him saying, you know, I had an epiphany one time. I laid in the back of my pickup truck and looked up at the stars and wondered, how am I here? Why am I here? What is my existence? What is reality? What's the purpose of my life? You know, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, we've probably all had that type of moment where we try to put our whole world into context and understand our purpose and our meaning in life and what's reality and what's, resist- and what's existence, right? Those philosophical thoughts. And I've had those things. As humans, I think we inherently have those things to have a longing and a desire to know those things. But why do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? What convinces you of that? Do you look at the... I jumped ahead of myself earlier, but do you look at the universe? Do you consider the universe? How you and I are on a planet that spins at such a velocity that has gravitational pulls that are pulling on the earth in a solar system that's just the right distance from the sun that gives us just enough sunlight to have life on earth. That we don't spin off the planet because of centrifugal force, because of the intricate balance and the designs and the complexities of our solar system. Is that why you have a faith in God? Is that why you believe? Do you believe in God because you consider the human body and you look at the complexity of the human body and how we have different functions of the body, how we have a cardiovascular system, we have a digestive system, we have a respiratory system, we have a neurological system, and how cells work, and how DNA works, and how we're unique individually. And you look at that, and you go, there's no way that that happened out of randomness. There has to be some origin behind it. There has to be some type of intelligent design behind that. That does just not happen. Is that why you believe? Or do you believe because you were raised in a Christian home? And you went to gospel meetings every summer. And that you had Christian parents that loved you. And they conditioned you. And they took you to church on Sundays. And they took you to Bible study on Wednesdays. And because of that, you were nurtured and conditioned in an environment to believe in God. And that's what you've known your whole life. And so that's why you believe in God. Is that why you believe? 
do you believe in God because you were raised in America? And predominantly throughout the history of this country, we've been a Christian nation. And you've watched your peers and you've watched people around you. That's what they did. They went to church. We didn't go to Hindu temples in Arkansas. We didn't go to uh, monasteries. People went to church. And so is that why you believe in God? Is that why you have a faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have a faith in Jesus Christ because you look at the socialization of Christians and you go, you know, that's a group of people that cares for its own. That's a group of people who, who ministers and takes care of one another. And I want to be a part of that. And I want to be affiliated with that. And I want that camaraderie. And because of that, I'm going to be involved in the Christian faith. Is that why you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ or do you believe in God because you consider all the other religions of the world? And they really don't have an explanation other than Christianity for the origins of the earth and the beginning and the creation of time. You look at all these different religions and you look at their man-made religions that revolve themselves around gods who are men. You know, I was in a home Wednesday evening. I had to go over there to take some pictures because there was an accident that happened in this home. I was over there taking pictures of it. And I got right above um, the fireplace and I took a picture of a big mural of a Hindu god. And um, it looked like a man who had all kinds of crowns and robe on. And so the, the, the residents of that home were Hindu. And I asked them, I said, um, who is this man? And they go, oh, well, he, he's a Hindu god. And I go, oh, okay, well, what's his name? Well, his name is Sai Baba. Okay, well, tell me about Sai Baba. They go, oh, he, he was a great man. He did all these great deeds. He was a, he was a wonderful guy, and he took care of, pe of people, and he was a very charitable guy. He lived around 1860. And I'm thinking in my mind, 1860, that's about the time of the American Civil War. Well, who was his God in 1859? And so you look at those things, and you go, that just doesn't make sense. But Christianity makes sense to you. Is that why you believe, or is that why you have a faith in Christianity? Is that why you have a faith in God? You know, when you look at the definition of belief, it's simply this. It's an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. A trust based on confidence. You know, that's a great definition and all about what belief is. But really, when you consider what belief is, I think you and I believe things based on two things. I think we believe things because we've either, we've either experienced those things and so we've generated a belief out of them or we've been persuaded to believe something. Right? I believe that fire is hot. You know why? Because I've lived 30 some odd years and I've burned myself. I can tell you through an experience that fire will burn you and that it's hot. I also believe that the earth is a sphere. I've never been in outer space. I've never had a vantage point to look down on the earth to tell you that the earth is circular. But you know what? I've sat in school and I've looked at textbooks and I've read and I've looked at photographs from NASA and I believe those photographs. I've been persuaded to believe that those photographs are fair and accurate depictions of the earth. And I believe because I've been persuaded that it's round. Why do you believe in Christianity? Do you believe in Christianity because you have in some essence experienced it? Do you believe in Christianity? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because you've been persuaded by it? You know, C.S. Lewis once said, 
He says, I believe that Christianity is as real as the sun rising because I've seen it and by it I see everything else. What does that mean? I think that he's saying in a figurative sense that he has experienced Christianity in a way in a figurative sense. He's not seen Jesus Christ. He's not seen Jesus Christ cast a demon out of somebody. But he has seen it. And it was very real and it was very true to him. And because of the truths that's found within the scriptures, he sees the world the rest of that way. Let me give you an example. When you open Proverbs, and you look in Proverbs chapter 15, and says in verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Have you ever read that and then tried to go and implement that in your life? when there's a conflict. If I give a soft answer, I can de-escalate a conflict. That's a truth. I've done it. I've seen that it works. I have read the Scripture and I have seen things in the Scripture that have been an instruction to my life. Life is already hard, but it's even harder if you're ignorant. But you know what? The Bible teaches and gives so many life lessons that are true. And because we've experienced it, because we've seen it recorded in God's Word, and because we've seen it lived out in our life, we believe it. That's the experience. But not only that, just as the sun rises, you know what the sun does when it rises? It exposes everything else around it because it gives light. And just as the sun rises and it exposes you to be able to perceive the world around you, the Scriptures give you context. They give you light to look at the world and to have a realization of what your purpose and what your existence is on this earth. And so that's the purpose. And that's what I think C.S. Lewis meant when he stated that he had experienced Christianity in a figurative sense. And I'd also seen it. Have you ever struggled with unbelief? Even after being a Christian, even after being baptized, even after studying God's Word, there are some things you just struggle with. I would say that there's probably more of us in here than not that have. I'll tell you, I'll tell on myself, I'll tell you something. When I, when I first became a Christian and I was learning all the different things, I'd gone to church most of my life, but when I was really, really serious about studying the Bible and trying to really implement it in my life, you know, you know something I really struggled with? It sounds silly. Demon possession. Demon possession. Okay, I understood the context and the separation from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and how Jesus came on the earth, and how He performed these miracles, and He cast demons out. And I thought, okay, Jesus had died. There's no need for that. But no, wait, the apostles were still doing that afterwards. I've never seen demon possession in my life. I've seen films about it. I've seen movies being advertised about it. But I've never seen anyone who claimed to be professed possessed by a devil. That was a, that was a real issue for me. You know, you know what I did after just banging my head against the wall over that issue? I saw somebody that I trusted and said, what do you think about this? And you know what they told me? They said, go read Zechariah chapter 13. I read the whole chapter. You know what? There was a phrase in there that addressed that issue and resolved that in my mind that I understood it. And I think it's a very basic lesson that we can go to the Scripture and that the answers to life are in the Scriptures, whether it's two and a half chapters from the Sermon on the Mount or whether it's one phrase in Zechariah chapter 13 before you shortly get into the New Testament. It was in there. Didn't know about it. 
but it helps my unbelief. Do you struggle with those things that help that cause you to 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 have unbelief? The Bible says in John chapter three and verses eighteen through nineteen, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because of their evil. So unbelief is a real thing, and I think that it's even predominant in the church. And I'm not going to be able to stand up here this morning and present a lot of Ken Ham information. I don't know if any of you know who Ken Ham is. Ken Ham is um, a Christian apologetic. He he debates a lot of um, atheists, and he presents a lot of scientific evidence to prove the existence of God. He's, he's a phenomenal man. He does a great job. I encourage you to look at some of his work. But on a much more simpler note, there are things that I want to share with you that validate my belief in that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that I know, things that prove to me in my life. You know, in John chapter 20... We read about Thomas's account, and then uh, Matthew read the remainder of the chapter for us. And right here in verses 30 through 31, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life, and that you have life in his name. You know, one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God is because of the Scriptures. The Scriptures are historical accounts written by independent witnesses who witnessed the things that Jesus did. And not only those things that are written in the Scripture, but other historians as well have recorded the life of Jesus. And right here it tells us that these things were written down for you and I, the blessed people who believed on His name who'd never seen Him. Miraculous events things that defy the very nature of the law of physics. True miracles. You know, I hear people today talk about miracles. They'll say, oh, you know, my, my daughter had a baby. It was a, a miracle. It's not really a miracle. People have been having babies since the beginning of time. It's a great thing and all. But a true miracle. Someone who was blind and now can see. Someone who had a demon possession and now does not have a demon possession. Someone who could make manna fall from heaven itself. That is a miracle. That's a miracle. And not only one witness reported it, but multiple witnesses reported it. Jesus, everywhere he went, was followed by groups and groves and groves and groves of people because he was so famous that people wanted to come and see it. And it's been reported throughout history and throughout time. And the Bible is the number one selling book that I know of, the most reported book that people read because it's changed and influenced the world that much. I believe in that. You know why else I believe in it? I believe in it because in Acts chapter 5 and verses 40 through 42, and they agreed with him And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they had commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now I want you to imagine for a minute that you lived in the first century. 
and that you were there when they crucified Jesus. You were standing in that crowd with that angry mob of people and you looked out and you saw the barbaric Roman soldiers take him and fillet his flesh with a whip. You witnessed that. And you witnessed those people go and strap him down to some wood and thrust nails through his hand. You witnessed that. And you lived in a society where you were constantly looking over your shoulder to determine if someone's going to find out if you're a Christian. That you walked through Roman provinces and you saw people that were strapped on poles lit on fire every day of your life. You saw that. And as you lived in a city where you walked by the roar of Roman Colosseums to hear Christians being devoured by lions. You heard that. You experienced that. That was a reality to you every day. You know what these guys were doing? After Jesus had come back and after He had risen from the grave and made His appearance to them, and He confirmed everything that He told them, it was worth it to them to go out and to continue to spread the gospel. It says that they were in people's homes teaching the gospel, knowing good and well that rumors were going to get out, that they were in people's homes teaching about Jesus, jeopardizing their safety. But not only were they doing that, they were in Jerusalem. It says they were in Jerusalem in the temple doing this. That's the Mecca of worship in Israel. They're in a public place, the temple, preaching the name of Jesus publicly. And not just one, not just two. All of them were doing that. Because they believed. And you know why they believed? Because they saw the miracles of Jesus that's been reported and recorded and passed down. They saw Jesus. They saw His teachings. They saw Him after death. And because of it, it was worth it. It was true. It was a reality. And because it was a reality, they jeopardized their own safety to do it. These guys... They were crucified, these these apostles. They were beheaded. They were killed by the end of spears. They were beaten with clubs. They were imprisoned. They were tormented. And they continued to do it. People who just want to be a part of a group group don't do that. That's a sincere conviction. That's a sincere belief. Another reason why I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is because I look at the prophecies in the Old Testament and I see the fulfillment of those prophecies in the New Testament. And we're not going to go through all of them, but they're very detailed prophecies that were written hundreds of years before their uh, fulfillment. And so by doing that, um, it confirms my faith as well. When we talk about belief... I think that there is a fine line, there's a a clear uh, distinction between simply believing in something and having a living faith in something. You know, I I believe that the country China exists. I believe that it's a country on the continent of Asia. I've never been there. Um, I read about it. I know people who are from there. I believe it. But you know what? The fact that I believe in China it does not change or affect the way that I live my life here in the United States. Do you see the difference? In James chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. 
You see, it's one thing to simply have a belief in something because having a living faith requires the element of belief, but they're two separate things. A belief produces, should produce, a living faith in our lives. And this is a very familiar verse to us. I've had loved ones in my life that I've loved, and when I would get the courage, which was seldom, to try to teach them about Jesus or, or teach them about baptism, they would simply look at me sometimes and go, well, God, good grief, you act like I don't even believe in God. Well, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Having a belief in God and having a belief that changes your heart into following God is two different things. And so our belief should transform the way that you and I live our lives. James here, we just, we just recited James. You know, we, we're studying through the book of Galatians and we've referenced Romans. Those books in, in Galatian, uh, Galatia and, and the Roman letter, they were written because people were trying to, to act like their works were going to save them. And James is kind of teaching the opposite. Of the, he's not really teaching the opposite, but he's teaching the different side of that coin when he's saying, yeah, you can believe. You can sit here and say you believe Jesus Christ, but you should have a life that manifests that through, the, through your actions and the way that you live your life. And so belief plus the exercise of obedience and faith uh, really equals salvation. And I guess the best way, I was trying to think, the best way to illustrate this would be considering an airplane. You know, I believe that an airplane can take me from Dallas Love Field to LaGuardia um, Airfield in New York. I believe that. But you know, if I'm afraid to get on that airplane, you know what I've done? I've just revealed the fact that I fully don't have faith in that airplane or its pilot. And for me to, and I'm not going to receive the benefit of getting there in three hours, it's going to require me to have faith to board that plane that I can make it there safely. And so having a belief in something is one thing, but having a belief that transforms you to be called to obedience and change your life, I think, is another thing. And so, in conclusion, as, as I wrap this up, I just want to say this. I think that there's really two things when we consider the element of belief. I told uh, Yancey and Matt this morning that I think when you look at belief, there's two sides of it. There's the apologetic side, where we look at the evidence to prove the existence of God and the deity of Jesus Christ. And then there's, there's the side of belief that we talked about, about calling us to obedience because that belief generates in us a transformation in our life. And so I wanted to share those things with you this morning. Um, if you and I don't have belief, if it's not confirmed by the scriptures, we're miserable people. We're miserable people because we don't have the hope of salvation. But thank God for the scriptures and thank God for Jesus and what he's done for us. And um, this morning I hope that something I've said has been a benefit to you. If you're struggling with your belief, or if you're struggling with your faith, we ask that you come forward as one of the elders will assist you.